Welcome back to Mosaic, the podcast from Education Development Center. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity around the world. I'm Burke Ronofsky. Nearly 20% of students in the United States attend a rural school. And when these students graduate from high school, they have often faced a difficult choice. Remain home where community is tight but jobs are limited, or move away in search of more economic and educational opportunities. EDC's Pam Buffington believes that there is tremendous strength and opportunity in rural communities. For the past year, she's been working with the TLL Temple Foundation on a new initiative that links schools and labor markets in rural Texas. This model is already changing lives and expectations, and it might provide a roadmap for other rural communities looking to build an educated, dedicated, and local workforce. Pam, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Brent. So before we jump into your work in East Texas, um, I'd like you to tell listeners about the workforce challenges that are facing young people in rural communities across the country. So what kinds of opportunities await students after high school? It really varies by geography. As you know from prior work we've done, not all rural places are um, monolithic. They rarely vary very much by the particular part of the country. For many rural communities, there has been a decline in um, a number of traditional careers, such as in the pulp and paper industry, forestry, farming is changing, although still uh, present, but fisheries are changing in rural places. So the things are are certainly um, shifting in terms of the particular workforce demands um, and the types of industries, manufacturing and so on that once were more prevalent in rural places. And then how have the events of the past two years, I mean, we've had a pandemic, there's been economic turbulence, now there's rising inflation. How have those events affected those opportunities or even the economic out, outlook for people in rural communities? Uh, in many cases, some of the bigger industries and in manufacturing have shifted location. Um, in some places, some of the traditional uh, marketplace Local rural hospitals have closed. Some small businesses have closed, which really have um, contracted career opportunities for students uh, graduating and and going into the workforce. So in Texas, you're working with the TLL Temple Foundation to link young people in rural communities with good paying jobs. Uh, Tell me about this partnership and the work that you're doing there. The Rural Education and Economic Opportunity Partnership is designed to help ensure that young people are prepared for employment in high-wage, high-demand careers. The Temple Foundation has a goal that all 16 to 24-year-old rural Texans earn a credential with labor market value that contributes to building a thriving East Texas. But they also want this model to be able to be used by other rural Texas communities as well as rural communities across the nation. Our role at EBC is to help capture this model, to make it clear and apparent and have examples of how the model functions. The exciting thing to me is that this is a model that's designed from the beginning with a rural community at the center. It's bringing together collaboratively a team of individuals from industry, from economic, developers, parents and families, educators, and higher ed partners to really look at data to help drive pathways 
to high value credentials and associate degrees to be able to contribute to the community well to develop a strong and robust workforce aligned with high wage, high demand careers. So it's a model that is robust and really will make a difference nationally. As I was doing prep for this interview, uh, you sent me some of the materials on the the partnership. And one piece was, um, I noticed there was a labor market analysis that was sort of central to to the the whole model. How does knowledge of the local industry sort of drive the whole cycle that you're trying to achieve here? I think that's one of the things that's most exciting and unique about this model. This REAP model is really built around those rural assets and relationships but it's very much driven by the labor market analysis, as you're pointing out. The ultimate goal of this partnership is to build pathways that lead to a level one or a level two certificate in these high wage, high demand jobs. It's not to prepare students for additional service jobs with a low wage, but really to, to prepare them to step out of high school right into a high wage career opportunity. They also prepare students to through the the dual enrollment and dual credit opportunities to receive college credit at a, an affordable rate so that this opportunity is not just for those students whose families have the resources to pay for college credits after high school, but right within the context of their local rural communities at a rate that allows them access. Can you talk a little bit more about how that dual enrollment process works? And then also talk about what kinds of certificates or degrees these students are getting um, and sort of how that enables them to get into some of the jobs that you were just referencing. Well, I think that what's really important early on, as you pointed out, is this labor market analysis. When industry partners, economic developers, parents, educators, and institutes of higher ed partners come together, Based on the labor market analysis, they can determine what are those careers that are in demand and also are medium to high wage paying jobs. And they develop a pathway that allows them to gain the skills and knowledge necessary for a level one or level two certificate. So, for example, in welding or in registered nursing. So the types of dual enrollment opportunities are there enrolled in high school as well as enrolled in a community college or or university. And they take courses that are offered by certified higher education faculty, whether that be in their own schools or by attending the higher ed institution or online options, and they may be taking some of those courses necessary to create the foundation for either that certificate or for an associate's degree. What are some of the emerging industries in these rural communities? You just mentioned nursing, you mentioned welding. I'm wondering sort of what what kinds of industries you've seen, you know, both in East Texas and also more broadly in some of the other rural communities that you visited. There are real opportunities for things like advanced manufacturing uh, nearby or cybersecurity. By providing robust access to the internet through fiber networks and other things, they're able to do just a whole vast number of different 
um, types of occupations. I mentioned cybersecurity because there's a program and a real need, um, and that can be not only engaged in in terms of the preparation, but also employment when they're when they're finished. That's that's a, a typical one in rural Maine, for example. There are real opportunities in the marine sciences and aquaculture businesses moving directly into those industries with certification. It's that local and regional analysis of the labor market that really drives that. So what would be really important in one area might not be the same in another rural region. Right. So we've spoken before about how young people often have to leave rural communities to make a better life for themselves. I mean, simply because there are not many high paying jobs in those communities. And I think we've, we've often talked about this in terms of teachers and sort of the teacher shortage. But it seems like as part of this work, you're really thinking about how to provide young adults with educational and economic opportunities to, to stay close to home. So I'm wondering what do those communities gain when young people choose to stay and build a career there as opposed to leave and go to an urban center or travel across the country for for new work? One of the things that is critical is that it provides a much richer community workforce. And so as the workforce of skilled young people grows, that then becomes more attractive to additional businesses, um, and small businesses and other opportunities to locate within that rural community. It's really quite cyclical, both the workforce itself and the increase in young people. It, it then contributes to the rural community wealth um, and the resilience of the community. It creates an environment where education is valued and helps to contribute to a thriving community. There are people available to engage in the kinds of civic responsibilities you have within a community. So not only does it provide the skills for a particular individual to be in a career, it creates a whole cohort of people in that vibrant, thriving community. So for example, one of the students that we interviewed who has gained dual enrollment credit for the university is intending to go into um, the medical field. He would like to be a pediatrician. So his excitement about this program is that he could come back to a community that is thriving, that needs those services, that allows him to be with his extended family and so on. That's fantastic. So take us into East Texas where you're doing this work. Can you tell us about some of the other people you've met who are either benefiting benefiting from the work or taking courses or sort of reevaluating their life choices based on the fact that they can now get a credential, enroll in college courses and stay local. Yes, there's um, a story of a young man who he in fact was engaged in the cybersecurity program. He was involved in this program early in its inception um, and was not able to complete all of the certifications he needed to go directly into the field because the program was new. And he went into the community and started working. Because it's a rural community where the principals, the educators, the superintendent, everyone knows each other as well as all of their young people. When the superintendent saw this particular individual working 
in a, a local store, they recognized that, in fact, he wasn't engaged completing his degree and, and let him know that, in fact, through this program, he could continue on even though he had graduated. So at that same accessible fee for um, being involved in the higher ed program, so the, the cost of credits would be maintained as, as this low amount, and he could finish his certificate and continue on to that high-wage, high-demand career that he had started. So there's a support system in place. One of the strengths of rural schools and communities are those relationships. The fact that the school is center and how they have leveraged those assets across multiple rural school communities to ensure those opportunities to keep them there, but not just to keep them there, but to help them to achieve those types of certificates and degrees that would allow them access to that particular career. There's also an additional aspect of this model that really is critical for rural communities, and that is that there's an infrastructure through the the partnerships with these higher ed institutions for um, existing educators to gain additional credit and certification to teach at the higher education institutions, which allow them to stay and um, receive a, a higher income for their work. We also know from national surveys that one of the, the difficulties that rural schools face is not having the type of educator recruitment and retention that is necessary for robust rural schools. This program actually helps to contribute to that. One of the other programs um, that students can get engaged in in these dual enrollment opportunities is to start um, working in the area of education, to become a teacher, to then move them forward and have them get into a, a teacher education program while they're in high school and be able to gain those credits much more affordably and come back into the workforce in that community, as well as build the capacity of those educators that are there and provide an environment in which they want to stay. So retention is enhanced by the kinds of programming and opportunities this model entails. Education is certainly one half of this model, but it also seems like employers are the other half, right? I mean, there has to be some sort of industry. There has to be some sort of commerce in in a rural community in order for, for people to get the accreditation to, to stay. So I'm interested in, in sort of what sort of a difference it's made for the employers in this Texas community that you've been working with. Like what kind of a difference has, has this partnership made for them? What's really important and helpful in this model is that industry partners and economic developers are part of the team that analyze the data that make decisions around the the labor market, where to invest the time and where to develop out the pathways for students. So they have the shared input and responsibility to help determine what the, the workforce will be within their community and then help to ensure that, in fact, they have jobs and opportunities um, when they graduate. So they're a critical partner in making those determinations. And based on input from those 
economic developers that are involved in this project, they really talk about the importance of having um, the kind of collaborative relationship with educators and parents and families and that the higher ed to help determine what are those careers in which they need skilled workers. So as you pointed out at the beginning, the labor market analysis really helps to determine that. And those employers are part of that, making sense of that data and helping to inform what they need, what types of skills are necessary to work within within their businesses and their communities. This work is taking place in one sort of rural community or a, a set of rural communities in East Texas, but you've also worked in many rural communities across the United States. How do we make these types of partnerships happen in places beyond East Texas, right? Like how do we, how do we make sure that rural communities in Oklahoma and Vermont and Maine and Florida and North Dakota, that these types of opportunities and partnerships are available to them too, because I mean, there is tremendous need for them. That's correct. I think the exciting thing about the, the work with the Temple Foundation is that we're capturing and really providing tools and resources that are, will be available to help to scale this initiative across Texas as well as nationally, providing the type of guidance and lessons learned about the model. What are those critical features? When you look at this, the strengths, looking also at the weaknesses, um, opportunities, and threats for a model. So, for example, the, the threats based on, as you pointed out, within the, the COVID pandemic, some things happen. Well, how do you adjust um, and build a model that's resilient to that? How do you contribute back to your community? I think I think the exciting thing is that this is a model that can scale, and there are educators um, who are talking about and can really engage around what does it mean to do this in a rural space. Wonderful. Well, Pam, I just want to thank you for coming on today and talking about this work. It sounds really exciting, really interesting, um, and certainly it's an area of need, and I hope it just continues to accelerate across the country. Thank you, Bert. Thanks for listening to Mosaic. For more information about EDC's work in rural communities, visit us online at edc.org.